The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, Genesis chapter 41, <clears throat> we've been here several weeks now and uh, read portions of this scripture and such uh, already, but uh, today we're going to uh, continue on looking through this portion of scripture and pick up in verse number 41. We're going to read down through verse number 54. And uh, in verse number 41, it says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, put it upon Joseph's hand, and arrayed him with vestures of fine linen, and put a gold chain about his neck, made him the ride of the second chariot, which, be, which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler, uh, uh, ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot uh, in all the land of Egypt. Uh, let's go down. We, we studied the rest of the portion of Scripture for the most part last week. Let's go down to verse number uh, 53. In verse number 53, and it says, In the seven years of, pl- of plenti- plenteousness uh, that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And notice verse number 54. And the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all the lands, but in all the lands of Egypt there was bread. And so last week we took some time to consider Joseph's new bride, that Gentile bride that he took, uh, Azanath, and and uh, we saw her as a type of the bride of Christ, the type of as a type of the church. And and uh, it's interesting to think that how God had was able to to pick her up and raise her out of uh, obscurity to marry Joseph, the second in command of the most powerful world in uh, powerful nation in the world, and uh, and how it just elevated her and made her someone uh, special because who she whose she was, and the same is true for you and I today, my friends. Uh, we were. You know, we were down and we were despondent. We were in our sin and, and stained by that sin. But when we came to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we received a brand new, a brand new life, a, a brand new place, uh, a brand new title even as a child of God. Not because of anything we've done, but because of whose we were and whose we are. And, uh, and so I, I, today I'd like to take another closer look at, at Joseph uh, a little more, and I told you when we began this study, uh, probably about nine lessons ago or so, uh, that Joseph, in many ways and in many situations, uh, he he is able to be picture a picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is not the equivalent of Jesus. We understand that. But he portrays him or pictures. He uh, is a foreshadowing of what the Lord would do. In fact, it's over a hundred times in Joseph's life so we could compare him, in Joseph's life, that we can compare him uh, to what the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would do for us. And as the Lord gives liberty for us today to examine that, I'd like to take three areas of Joseph's life and uh, see how it paints a picture for us of our Lord and Savior. I want to consider Joseph's humiliation, I want to consider his exaltation, and also his salvation. And as we go through these thoughts and go through those points, I want to get, get you, help you to have a fresh glimpse at to what the Lord has done for us. And uh, as, as Joseph experienced those things, and what the Lord would do for you and I if, as we trust Him as our personal Savior. And so, 
we see these thoughts as we consider the thought of this, that Joseph was the deliverer of the world, honestly. We've read here in the last few verses of the, that we just read, verse 53, 54, that the seven years that were plenteous, they came to an end, just as Joseph had predicted by the Lord giving him insight into Pharaoh's dream. That led into seven years of drought. There was no, uh, the Bible uses the word dearth. There was, there was no uh, crops that were grown at that time. And a great famine was in the land, just as Joseph was able to predict as God gave him instruction into Pharaoh's dream as well. And because of Joseph's wisdom that was given to him by God, he was able to put together a plan in which the whole world was saved. And through, it was through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that offers us eternal salvation, spiritually speaking, as well. So I know uh, we're comparing Joseph's life to what Jesus would go through and what he would do for us today, in our lives today. And first, we notice that as we consider Joseph and his humiliation. Joseph and his humiliation. We're going to jump back and forth in the scripture this morning, and so I hope that you have your Bibles handy and ready. And I want you to go back to Genesis 37 and look at verse number 23. Genesis 37 and verse number 23, we read, And it came to pass, when Joseph was come unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, uh, his coat of many colors that was on him. We find that Joseph, throughout his life, he experienced plenty of times of humiliation, uh, times where he was just kind of the outcast, times where he was the one that wasn't accepted but was actually rejected. And we find that in his humiliation, there's, there is a likeness to what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ went through, and I hope to point those out to, uh, to you this morning. We see, that, we see this in Joseph and his humiliation as we see that he laid aside his glory. We see here that Joseph had been given this coat, uh, the Bible calls it a coat of many colors, and, and this coat represented Joseph's place in his family, as we've already discussed. It told everyone that he was his father's favorite son, and it told everyone that he was the head of the family as well, in comparison to the rest of the uh, brothers that he had. Uh, in, in that way, jo Joseph's coat represented his glory. It represented his position, his prominence. And like Joseph... Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. He, in His glory, He is God. In His deity, He is God. And, uh, but like Joseph, Jesus laid aside His glory and entered into a time of humiliation. We read this in Philippians chapter 2, where the Bible tells us that He took upon Himself the form of a servant. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but, but, but he, he made Himself of no reputation, the Scripture tells us there in Philippians chapter number 2, and took upon Himself that form of a servant. You understand, my friends, that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, God the Creator, God the Sustainer, He willingly came to this earth. And he laid aside his glory. He did, not become, he, he, he did not cease to be deity, but he robed himself in flesh and dwelt amongst men and laid aside his rightful place of sitting at the right hand of the Father for you and I. You understand that he went through a time of humiliation. God of all gods, king of all kings, the creator of all, every time that one mocked him, to, be able to, to not bring judgment upon them immediately. Every time that one rejected him, to think of the fact that the creator was being rejected by his creation. Then when it come time to his, for his crucifixion, he was betrayed by one he loved. 
As we came time to his crucifixion, he was taken into custody as if he was some lowly criminal sold for the price of a slave. He was then taken in and beaten and scourged and scorned and spat upon and rebuked and mocked, humiliated. Even on the cross, they hung a sign above the cross calling him the king of the Jews, which was supposed to be a humiliating thing for him. Here's the king hanging on a cross. Yeah, right. That was kind of the thought behind it. They gambled for, uh, uh, at the foot of the cross for his garments. They mocked him. and Even the, the thief that was rightfully there on the, uh, hanging next to him said, if you are God, why don't you save yourself and us also, and mocking him as well. He, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left his home in heaven uh, just to enter into this world as a little baby. Where was he born? In a stable, laid in a manger. Babies today, they, they're born in a hospital with a, with a lot of technology and, and, and learned doctors to be able to be brought into this world safely and sound. Here our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born in a place and laid in a place where farm animals ate their food. We find that Joseph in his humilia and his humiliation pictures what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would go through for us. And we see that as he laid aside his glory. We find that it all, we see this also as he became a slave in Genesis 37 and verse number 28. I want you to go there with me. Genesis 37 and verse number 28. We'll look at that. Genesis 37 and verse number 28. And there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and uh, they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph uh, to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. See, Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, and they were going to just put him to death, but instead they threw him in a pit. Then they were going to leave him there to die, but instead of leaving him there, they said, let's profit off of it. So they sold him as a slave. And they went down to Egypt, and he was sold into, the pot, into Potiphar's care, into his house as a slave, and, and, uh, and he had to live as a slave in that way. And returning back to Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 7, the Lord Jesus also entered into this world as a slave. That term where it says that he took upon himself the form of a servant, that's all it means, like a bond servant, a bond slave, and that he willingly entered into that, that, that lifestyle for you and I. See, he did not come, Jesus did not come to this earth so that he might occupy a throne, earth, an earthen throne, one here and now, to, to, to rectify and to bring up some kingdom, to wear a royal crown upon his head. No, he came to this world to serve humanity and to give his life a ransom for sinners, as we read in Matthew 20, verse number 28. We see in Joseph's, uh, Joseph and his humiliation how uh, a picture of what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would go through as we see that he laid aside his glory, that as he, we see it as he became a slave, but we also see it as he over, overcame temptation as well. In Genesis chapter 39, in verse number, verses 7 through 12, we find the uh, story of Joseph just working as he's supposed to work there in Potiphar's house, doing his job and doing it contently and doing it to the best of his ability. And day after day, Potiphar's wife has been watching him and looked upon him and lusted after him and uh, tempted him even to come and, and to commit adultery with her. But Joseph, he, he resisted that temptation and he steadfastly refused and maintained his integrity. Well, Matthew chapter 4 and verses 1 through 11, 
give us the information of Jesus as he's been fasting and praying in the wilderness. And in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, he weathers a great storm of temptation to show us and prove us as an example. And uh, Satan comes to him and tempts him. And he says, if you're the son of God, you know, why don't you show, prove it this way? Or, hey, he takes him up to the pinnacle of the, of the temple, right? And he looks across all the lands. He said, hey, if you'll, if you'll just bow down to me, Satan said, then I'll give you all that, is, that you can see, as if it wasn't already his anyways. And at Jesus being hungry, he said, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you food and I'll give you substance. And that's when Jesus used the words, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, Jesus, he came into this world as the spotless lamb of God. He was the spotless lamb of God. He died the spotless lamb of God. And he still is the spotless, absolute, sinless lamb of God for us today. Why? Because he proved in his overcoming temptation and he gave us a, a picture or a, 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 a model in how we ought to live as well. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 22, I believe it is where it says that, that, uh, that as the, with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and spot, we find that in Joseph, Joseph and his humiliation is a picture of what Jesus would do for us as we see that he laid aside his glory, that he became a slave, that he overcame temptation, but we also see it as he was successful in all that he did. Genesis chapter 39, verses 3 through 6, it says this, it says, and, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in the side and he, in his sight, and he served uh, him and made him overseer of, of his house. And all that he had, he put into his hand. He was promoted there as Joseph was put into prison after being falsely accused. He even found favor in God's sight, and the Lord was with him. And everything that he did was successful there, and he was promoted there. As he was in prison, he was able to interpret the dreams of the butler and the baker because the Lord was with him. And because of that, yeah, it took two years, but he was promoted out of prison finally. And as he gave the Pharaoh a plan out of the wisdom of God, he was promoted to the second in command of the most powerful nation in all the world. My friends, Joseph was successful in all that he did, not because, not because he was some, someone with great talent or great prestige or great, uh, great mental capacity. He was successful in all that he did because of whom he served and the God that was with him. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is much in the same, that he was successful in everything he did. Those who saw him minister, uh, they said of him in Mark chapter 7 and verse number 37, he hath done all things well. That's what they said of Jesus Christ as they watched him minister. He never failed at any task he was given. He healed every sickness he encountered. He cast out every demon that he was faced with. He raised every dead person he came in contact with to life. He calmed every storm that he was ever in. He saved every lost soul who believes on him as well, my friends. And in his dying breath, he declared in John 19, 30, it is finished. And as Joseph faced humiliation... He is a picture of what our Lord would do for us as we saw even in humiliation. He was successful in all that he did. We see he was also a picture of what our Savior would do for us as he was falsely accused. Again, there in Genesis 39, we find this in verses 14 through 19 again. But we find that Joseph was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. You know the story. 
Potiphar's wife said, come lie with me. And Joseph said, I cannot do this thing. I cannot sin against God or my master. And uh, so, uh, so he starts to walk away and she reaches out and grabs him by his coat and says, come lie with me, Joseph. And Joseph wiggles out of the coat and takes off running as fast as he can out of the house, leaving Potiphar's wife there with the only thing in her hand as, as his coat. At that moment, she conspires a plan against Joseph and she cries out loud, screaming madly. The servants of the house come running in to find out what's going on, and she accuses Joseph of trying to rape her. Joseph didn't know such thing, but he was accused of it. And when Potiphar comes home, he hears all that was taking place, and, and he had no choice but then to take his wife's side of, of the story and threw Joseph in prison because of something he didn't even do. My friends, I'm here to tell you that Jesus, our Savior, was also falsely accused. The Bible tells us clearly that they could not find any fault with him, so they found men who were willing to convict him by saying things that were false about him. We read this in Matthew 26, verses 59 through 61. In Matthew 26, verses 63 through 68, they even accuse him of blasphemy. But can, how can the God of all the world blaspheme himself? But we see that they falsely accuse him of such. Jesus was guilty of no crimes. But yet he was arrested. Jesus was guilty of no crimes, but yet he was scourged. Jesus was guilty of no crimes, but yet he was crucified like the most heinous of criminals. But in, in Joseph and his humiliation, we see how he would picture Jesus Christ as he was falsely accused. We see how he would picture Jesus Christ as well as he would offer no defense towards those accusations. Genesis 39, this whole story that we've just been given, he's sold into slavery where he shouldn't be a slave, he doesn't fight against it. As he's there in Potiphar's house working as a slave where he shouldn't be, he doesn't fight or buck against it. As Joseph is being falsely accused and thrown into prison, he doesn't fight against it or offer any uh, defense towards those things. As he is left there in prison and, and uh, should not be there and constantly having to serve there in the prison, he offers no reason or attack against those who have falsely put him there. As far as we know anyways, through the scripture, Joseph never opened his mouth in his own defense. He took the punishment that was placed upon him without any comment. And when Jesus was accused before the Sanhedrin, Matthew 26, verses 62 through 63 tells us that he opened not his mouth, that he offered no defense. When he went before Pontius Pilate, he offered no defense in John 19, verses 9 through 11. When he appeared before Herod, he offered no defense, as recorded in Luke chapter 23 and verses 8 through 12. Even as he went to the cross to die for our sins, he maintained his silence, as we would read in Isaiah 53 and verse number 7, as it would prophesy. Do you understand this morning that our Savior could have freed himself at any time? He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called them and wiped them. He could have just spoken words and they would have all been burnt up to a crisp. He's, after all, he's the creator of the universe and everything he created, he spoke into existence. He could have called legions of angels, as Matthew 26, 53 says. He could have spoken the word and his tormentors would have been swallowed alive by the earth and sent into the depths of hell. But he willingly endured the cross and the shame, all because of his Father's will. And in Joseph and his humiliation, we see a picture of what Jesus would do for us as he offered no defense. We also see it as he suffered as an innocent man in verse number 39. We've discussed this already. But we find that, it, that Jesus suffered. He didn't just be punished, my friends. He suffered. 
for something he didn't do. He was beaten and took my place when I should have been beaten. He was humiliated and took my humiliation when I should have been humiliated. That crown of thorns that was driven into his brow was my crown of thorns that I should have wore, and he took it willingly for me. The punishment that he experienced, the cross that he endured, was all meant for me, but he took it in my place. See, my friends, as Joseph experienced all this humiliation, he truly did picture what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would do for us to be able to offer salvation for us. But not only do we see a picture of Jesus through Joseph and his humiliation, but my friends, we also see a picture of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, as we look at Joseph and his exaltation as well. I'd like you to notice that as we consider Joseph and his exaltation, it pictures Christ as we see that he was brought out of prison in Genesis 41 and verse number 14. Notice that with me again, Genesis 41, verse number 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. He shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. See, Joseph was eventually released from the prison and was brought before Pharaoh. Jesus was imprisoned by death, if you may. His body was sealed in a tomb, but my, my friends, three days later, he rose up from the grave out of that tomb forevermore. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 6 tells us that. He came out of that prison, and he came out alive forevermore, as we read in Revelation verses 1 and verse number 18. And because he lives, our salvation is guaranteed, and our eternal life is secured, according to Romans chapter 5 and verse number 10. He was brought forth out of that prison. He was brought forth out of that dungeon, that dungeon of the tomb of death. And, G and Joseph being brought forth out of the dungeon is a picture of Jesus and his exaltation. We see it picture Jesus as he was exalted in verses 37 through 42 of this chapter as well. That as, uh, as, uh, as uh, Pharaoh heard the plan of Joseph and heard him be able to give the uh, insight into what the dreams meant, Joseph, uh, Pharaoh said, Joseph, you're the guy for the job. You're the one I want to manage all of this. And he promoted him to the second in command of all of Egypt. He was given that golden chain that spoke to this new wealth that he had. He was given the Pharaoh's ring, which was a symbol of authority and power. He was clothed in fine linen, the scripture tells us, which signified his work as a servant was over and over forever. And in that way, we see that it was a picture of how Jesus would be exalted as well. Our Heavenly Father exalted Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9 tells us that he came, he, took, he made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant. But go ahead, I want you to put your eyes on it this morning and look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9, please. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9. Let's, uh, let's, let's look here and it says here that, um, let's go up and lead into it. Verse number five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Verse, no, verse number nine, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name. See, my friends, Joseph, he was exalted into this place of power and this place of prestige and prominence, uh, not because of who he was or what he did, but because of, of what God did through him. And the Pharaoh exalted him in that way because of his God being with him. 
But God the Father exalted his son Jesus Christ and gave him a name above every name. The word exalted means this. It means to elevate to the highest rank and power, to raise to supreme majesty. And God has magnified Jesus to the place where there is no one greater than he in the universe. Why? Because he is God himself. He's the son of God. The angels in heaven exalt Jesus. The Bible tells us in Revelation 4 in verses 4 through 11. Revelation chapter 5 verses 11 and 12. The saints in glory exalt him. The Bible tells us in Revelation 5, 9. Revelation 7, 9 through 10. And Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 22 and verse number 3. He, he is worthy of our exaltation right now, the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. And Psalm 47 verse number 1. Psalm 135 verses 1 through 3. And like Joseph, Jesus... Jesus possessed all power under heaven and earth, as we read in Matthew 28 and verses, uh, verse number 18. He possessed all the wealth of his father, if you may, the Pharaoh. And Jesus possesses all the wealth of his father. John 3.35 tells us that. And when Jesus was resurrected, he arose with a glorified body. He was exalted, my friends. And as Joseph was exalted to a place of prominence, our Lord and Savior, having endured the humiliation for you and I, was exalted as well. We find that Joseph is a picture of Jesus in his exaltation as he was enthroned as well. Look at verse number 41 of Genesis 41. Genesis 41, 41. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I see, I ha see, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. We find that Joseph was given the throne of another. He was allowed to rule by the decree of the Pharaoh. And Jesus was also enthroned and allowed to sit with his father on his throne. Revelation 3, verse number 21 tells us that he sits there at his right hand now. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3, 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 12, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 22. All this declares that he is there at the right hand of his father today. Notice that Joseph... And his exaltation is a picture of Jesus as well as he was given a brand new name. Now in verse number 45, it gives us the new name of Joseph. I could try to pronounce it. I would slaughter it. You're welcome to try to speak into it if you'd like. And I would say, yeah, you're probably right. But nevertheless, the, 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 what the name is is not important. But the fact that Joseph was given a new name, uh, it, it, it is important in the fact that some have different, differ on what the name actually means, but some have said that this name that Pharaoh gave him, it, mean, it could mean the savior of the world. It could mean the revealer of secrets. It could mean the God, that God speaks and came into being. It could mean abundance of life or that God's word speaks life. All these names, of course, fit the new life that Joseph was given by Pharaoh and when people heard his name, the Bible tells us in verse number 43 that they fell on their faces and, and praised him. Of course, the, uh, this name also speaks uh, to the fact that of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, God has given Jesus a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. You know, my friends, that when we consider the name of Jesus... We understand that he is the savior of the world. Matthew chapter 1, verses, verse 21, John 14, verse number 6. Hey, if, jo if Joseph's new name meant revealer of secrets, you realize that, that Jesus is the revealer of secrets according to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. 
Hey, if Joseph's new name meant God speaks and came into existence, remember what John 1, 1 says? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If, his name, if Joseph's new name meant the abundance of life, you realize that, John, that God is the giver of life. John chapter 10 and verse number 10, John 1, 4, John 6, 33. If Joseph's new name meant God's words, God's word speaking life, Consider John 5, 24, that we find new life in Jesus Christ that is given through him. We find in Joseph and his exaltation a picture of Jesus. We see it in how he was given a Gentile bride as well. There again in Genesis 41 and verse number 45, he's been given a new name, but also the Bible tells us Pharaoh gave him a wife, Asenath, the, father of Potiphar, the daughter of Potiphar, uh, priest of On, and Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. See, this bride was chosen, of Joseph, chosen for Joseph and given to him after his exaltation. The bride of Christ has been chosen by the Father. Ephesians 1 verse number 4 tells us that. And the bride of Christ has been given unto the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection, his exaltation. John chapter 6 and verse number 37 tells us that as well. We find that he was given all authority in the land in verses 40 through 44 in chapter 41. And everywhere he went, he was the ruler. People bowed to him. The Lord Jesus Christ has been given all power under heaven and earth, according to Matthew 28, verse number 18. Can I say this as well this morning, that as we consider Joseph and his exaltation, it pictures Christ and the fact that Joseph intervened in the lives of people, just like as our Savior did. Look at verses 48 through 57. It says, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities and the food of the field. And it was around every city, about every city, laid he up in the same. Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea uh, very much until it le he left numbering for it was about, without number. So just to, for the sake of time, Joseph managed the collection of all the abundance of the the food and, and, the, and the crop that was brought in. And because of that, it gave life, it gave provision during the seven years of poverty, if you may. And in doing so, in managing that, Joseph had intervened in the lives of folks. Had Joseph not, they probably would have spent it all up. They probably would have overindulged and would not have had enough to keep going on. My friends, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, He intervenes for us. Scripture tells us that He intercedes for us in heaven. Hebrews 7, verse number 25. Romans chapter 8, verse number 34. He meets our needs day by day. Matthew, 20, Matthew 6, I'm sorry, verse 25 through 34. Philippians 4, 19. He's ever present with His people according to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5. And my friends, our Savior intervenes on our behalf constantly. I'm almost out of time, but I want to move on to the third point this morning. And as we've been looking at the life of Joseph a little closer, we see how it pictures our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we see in Joseph and his humiliation a picture of Jesus. We see Joseph and his exaltation a picture of Jesus. But thirdly this morning, we see Joseph and his salvation, how it pictures uh, Jesus. See, my friends, we understand that, jo that Joseph and his exaltation was followed by a time of plenty. We read that in Genesis 41 and verse number 47. It says, and in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And just as Joseph had prophesied, it was given the wisdom of God to foretell 
the earth brought forth in abundance. It was an age of plenty for the people, the, uh, people in those days. Um, and following the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from the dead, though, the world entered a time where we have abundant grace. Grace available to whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Can I say today that we're probably living in a time of more spiritual plenty than ever before in this world? You say, oh, I don't know about that, preacher. There's a lot of wicked people. And in fact, there's just been a survey done, and, and America has more non-believers in, in, in its population uh, for the first time ever in its history than it does have believers. How can you say that there's a, we're living in a time of more spiritual plenty than ever before? My friends, you can pick up any device and quickly find the Word of God at, at, at a moment's notice. It takes hardly nothing to be able to find and access the Word of God. We have access to things at, at a moment that people throughout history have had to wait weeks, months, or even years to even get before. At the time of Joseph, you understand that there was no Bible at all? Maybe the book of Job? Maybe. If Job was the first book written, which some people believe it was, it might have been written before the events that took place in Joseph's life. I don't know, but all I'm saying is this. Other than that, there was no Bible. And yet we have it so readily at our fingertips today. I would submit to you this morning that the Lord is blessing and saving souls, and He's been doing it now for over 2,000 years. And we have been richly blessed and following His exaltation of returning back to heaven and sitting at the right hand of the Father, there is a time of plenty. Joseph was saved from prison and exalted, and there came a time of plenty. But can I say also, Joseph and his salvation is a picture of Jesus as well, that his exaltation was also followed by a time of famine. We read that after the seven years of plenty, there was seven years of famine or seven years of drought or dearth, it says. My friends, the Lord is tarrying, but one day his tarry will end. The Bible says the trumpet will sound. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then that we that are alive and remain will follow and enter into heaven with our heavenly Savior. And at that point, a, a clock begins on seven years of what we know as great tribulation. And my friends, that we what we call the great the time of great tribulation, the church as we know it will have been removed from the earth. And uh, the Word of God, as we know it, will not be preached as it is today. The Holy Spirit will also be missing from the world, and it will be a time of spiritual famine like never known before in our world. But we see Joseph and his salvation, that it's a picture of Jesus as his exaltation was followed by a time of plenty. Also, after that, his exaltation was followed by a time of famine. But we also find that he controlled the distribution of all the bread. Joseph and his salvation is a picture of Jesus as he controls the distribution of all the bread, all the sustenance. Joseph made a plan that he was going to collect all the excess and store it away so that while the seven years of, of dearth were here, people could come and be able to get the food that was necessary for them. But you understand that Joseph didn't just give it away. They had to come and buy it from him. Joseph possessed, he controlled the distribution of all the food in the land for 14 years. He controlled the amount that could be taken during the time of plenty, and he controlled who got the excess when there was none. My friends, the Bible tells us clearly that Jesus is the bread of life. He, control, he is the source 
of all spiritual needs that we have. Joseph and his salvation pictures Christ and the fact that he possessed enough bread also, though, for all who would need it. Hello, my friends. Do you hear what I'm saying to say today? Joseph, in his wisdom that was given by God, collected all the excess and stored it up so that when there was nothing that people could draw from the fields, when the, when the drought was there, when the dearth was there, they could come to him, and no matter how many came, he had enough to spare for those who, would t- who, who would, were in need of it. Jesus shed his blood on Calvary's cross over 2,000 years ago, but there's still enough blood to go around even here today, my friends. His, his saving power is still as powerful as it ever has been, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Can I close with this and say that Joseph and his salvation is a picture of Jesus as he remained in Pharaoh's favor. Notice verse number 55 with me. Verse number 55, Genesis 41. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And the Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do See, Joseph wasn't just in Pharaoh's favor as he managed the collection of all of the, uh, of the crops during the seven years of plenty. But Joseph remained in Pharaoh's favor, even during the, the, the times of dearth as well. And even after that, the scripture tells us that Joseph and his family was given a special place in Egypt, the land of Goshen, in which the slaves of Israel would finally find themselves there. Because unfortunately, we read as the book of Exodus opens up that there arose a Pharaoh in, in, in Egypt that knew not the God of Joseph. But underneath that Pharaoh, Joseph found favor and remained in his favor. Can I say this this morning? That 2,000 years might have passed since the time of God's plan to, re- to bring redemption to the world was brought to fruition. Can I remind you that his plan and his mind hasn't changed still today? The God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The plan that he brought to, for salvation back when Jesus died on the cross and rose again is the same plan he has for you and I today. And, and Joseph staying in the, in the Pharaoh's favor is a picture of how the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on Calvary and rising again is exactly what satisfies satisfies the, the, the need for us before our God. See, my friends, Jesus is the only way for salvation, and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether or not you know a thing about Joseph. It doesn't matter if we knew all those things about him, how it pictures Jesus. But what does matter is whether or not you know Jesus. My friends, if you're here this morning and you don't know him as Savior, I hope that this little picture, this little glimpse into the life of Joseph that pictures what our Savior would do for us and how he would provide for us would show you and your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart and show your need of him today. Our Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for your, le- your word that gives us these lessons. And, and as Joseph was the deliverer of the people of the world in that day, we know how your, your son, Jesus Christ, is the deliverer for all who need to be saved in this world still today. Lord, we praise you and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the life of Joseph that pictures such. And Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. We're going to be dismissed. We'll start our main service here in about 10 minutes.